Hi, I'm Jeff Coe, and welcome to Who Who Hail. I am so smart and charming, and I can't wait to talk to you today about Indiana and Michigan football. This is why I have a new co-host and a new podcast. <laughs> I've uh, taken, Kathy's, <laughs> taken Kathy's suggestion to join Choo Choo Hail with my Purdue friends. It's so funny to make fun of you, Jeff. But with regards to your decision to join the Choo Choo Hail podcast, I mean, how did Purdue do yesterday? There's not a lot of fun things to talk about there. Well, I mean, talk about fun things to talk about. We're talking <laughs> about Indiana too this week. So I think Brutal. it might be a it might be a toss up. But that's exactly the question I was about to ask you. And we were joking about this as we were at the game. Who had a tougher week this week? Michigan versus bye week? or Indiana versus our beloved Ohio State Buckeyes? That's the million dollar question. So one thing that you all might remember from last week, who who hail got to go on the road. So we were actually in Bloomington in Indiana Memorial Stadium, which was awesome. However, the Hoosiers suffered their 25th consecutive loss to OSU. It was a 51 to 10 wipeout. So last week we were talking about how historically it was like the biggest win margin for Indiana. I think we kind of saw the opposite yesterday. It was Tom Allen's worst game of his tenure. We were joking all day about how Michigan probably was struggling as we parked the car. Michigan was currently struggling given its performance against Army. Michigan was struggling against bye week and bye week was taking Michigan to double overtime (laughs) with Michigan pulling out a tough win against bye week. But I think all of those jokes flew out the window once we saw how Michigan State and Purdue performed on Rival Watch. We will tell you more about those games. Yeah, and I will say it was a tough day for Indiana, Purdue, and Michigan State. And yes, Michigan probably did struggle a lot and go to double overtime against bye week, but at least they had a W, we think. Well, that's the beautiful thing about what Coach Harbaugh calls improvement week. Just such a great feeling. It's like acing the final without taking the test, right? You're spending all day Saturday watching these games and having fun with the results and poking fun at our rivals without really needing to be on the field for one week. And we'll we'll take that break. Our offense needs it. Kathy, why don't you tell us about how it felt to arrive at your alma mater and pull in to Bloomington as we took the long scenic route around <laughs> the stadium to find parking and just seeing tailgates, the people dressed in candy cane, mm-hmm. white and reds. How did that feeling of nostalgia, what was that like for you? It's always unreal going back. So we left Chicago around 6 a.m. So it was a sleepy drive. But the second you kind of pull onto 45, 46, and you see the traffic start to back up, you automatically know that it's game day. There's just this feeling in the air that we're ready to go. The fact that this was OSU, folks were even more ready to go. So we pull up, we drive around campus, you know, we're kind of stuck in traffic, folks are walking to the game. We finally find this parking in my secret parking spot, which I won't disclose. You should know. You, you should disclose it. It uh, was like empty and they're charging money and it'll okay, make, okay, make money fine, for your alma mater. You should tell our so, listeners. So in the past, I am a business school alum. And the rule was that after 5 p.m. and during the weekend, you can park in the business school garage for free. And when we went to this game a couple years ago, I don't think a lot of people knew about that because we parked for the Michigan-Indiana game, no problem, plenty of spots, no charging. But when we went this time, there was someone outside standing charging 20 bucks. So obviously the secret's out, which is fine. You know, whatever we can do to help support the school. I think at that point we were just itching and ready to go to the game. So we decided to just pay the 20 bucks. And what is that walk like? 
Will you tell us about walking from there to the stadium? Yeah. So for those who went to Indiana, I lived in the McNutt dorms during my freshman year. So I'm sure you all remember Fee Lane and that infamous hill that you have to walk up. And I was joking with Jeff telling him that during my freshman year, I would often take the bus, even if it was from the business school up Fee Lane, probably maybe what, a a tenth of a mile or so. Um, Just I wouldn't have to walk up that massive hill. But we did park in the garage and walk up the hill yesterday. And what's changed about that walk in the past intervening years? A lot has changed, Jeff. It was so interesting because I saw people on scooters going up and down the hill, and they were electric scooters, which I'm sure helped a lot. And scooters were not a thing when I was on campus. And so being the slower half of Hoo Hill, <laughs> at least when you're not running, when you're walking and moseying around, I think those scooters might have saved you a couple of bus rides, right? I think so. I think I would have rode the scooters around campus. It would have saved me a lot of bus rides and probably, frankly, a lot of time just waiting for the bus. So I'll talk about my feeling. Walking in to Memorial Stadium, we realized that we'd gotten visitor tickets and that was because the Michigan half of Hoo Hill was in charge of buying the tickets this time around. <laughs> so we didn't Way get we didn't get any we got cheap visitor tickets, which actually, as I was telling you, Kathy, says a lot about your fan base because they didn't sell mm-hmm. their tickets to strangers on StubHub. We always talk about don't sell the tickets for a big home game like this. Don't sell it. And so we found ourselves in the visitor section. And did you notice anything different as you were walking in? Yeah, so it actually took us a while, right? Because OSU colors, they're scarlet. They're they're very similar to IU's colors, at least from a distance. And so I kind of had my head down. I was actually looking at ESPN because we walked in a little bit after the game had started and wanted to catch up. And it wasn't until OSU made a touchdown and I heard all this cheering and screaming where I'm like, what, is this some alternate universe? Where am I? And I looked up and I saw all the OSU shirts that people were wearing. And of course, I noticed a lot earlier mm-hmm. because... I was dressed in full maze, like a lost person in the stadium. It's bye week. We're scouting out the opposition. We play both teams later on in the season. So it makes Mm -hmm. sense for me to spend bye week here. But I was dressed in full maze and I got heckled. I got almost thrown stuff at, people yelling at me, cussing at me, pointing at me, starting chants about me, just walking up. And I was thinking, well, Indiana isn't really a Michigan rival. They're probably with the 50-game losing streak against this. Why am I getting, maybe maybe it's because of the 50 game losing streak that I'm getting such a terrible (laughs) reaction. But every time I've been in Indiana, even Justin Mays, I've gotten pretty nicely treated. And that was why we were in the visitor section. I was a visitor, Kathy wasn't, and I got that reaction. You know, it it was interesting. We took a walk after, and we'll, we'll talk about this later on, but we took a walk around the stadium afterwards. And it's funny how many Buckeye fans, I guess the Buckeye fans like visitors Mm -hmm. for a game like this, they'll stayed. And so they were overrepresented at the end, but we realized that Columbus and Ohio isn't that far away and they travel really well, that fan base. So the stadium, I would say towards the end was at least 50-50 Buckeyes and Hoosiers. I would say at least 50-50, if not a swing in the other direction, which is unfortunate, but I will hand it to the Buckeye fans for traveling down to Bloomington and supporting their team. And Jeff, when we were walking around the stadium, we saw some really funny shirts. Do you want to talk about some of the shirts you saw? Yeah, so we saw this shirt with a giant D. and how Ohio State <laughs> has this annoying thing about insisting on being re- referred to as the Ohio State University. And so this is guy with just the word T-H-E, giant in the right colors. So I walked past him. I said, how's the trademark stuff going? 
And he looks at me, his friend looks at me, and they kind of laugh because I'm Justin Mays. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, he was one of the Buckeyes that was a good sport. So he said, as long as we keep winning ball games, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So he was up on the news. It's funny that they really tried to trademark it. Some other shirts that I found were funny. There was one really narrow window. And I, Kathy, as you know, I love these novelty t-shirts that are like inside jokes about, and I have a lot of them in my closet. But there was one that said, Revenge Tour Cancelled which was quite funny to get some insight on the other side of the fan base and one that said giant V and then the champions. But talk about that sad news that we received on the drive and you got an ESPN notification just as we were pulling out into the parking lot, how you felt about that news at that time. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more about how the news played out for the rest of the game. But how did you feel when you got that news? Yeah, so as we said, we were running a little bit late to the game. So we were in the car and an ESPN notification popped up with that infamous music that it plays. And the first thing I see is Penix out, undisclosed, Peyton Ramsey to step in. And, you know, we love Peyton Ramsey on this podcast, but I think for a team like OSU, we were really looking for that potential big upside from Penix. And so knowing that probably a little bit of lower upside. I think it was mixed feelings, right? Because we did like, we still do like Ramsey a lot. And we were excited to see, as you said last week, a QB2 that has QB1 experience is always great. But at the same time, it was definitely a blow to your chances of trying to root for that upset in the game. It was. And And there were these people all over ESPN that were predicting upset alert before the game, right? They were. We listened to Bill Connolly, who we mentioned last week, who said, I'm so sorry when it came to Indiana's history in football. But he actually said that, you know, someone asked him, you know, this is going to be kind of a boring week. You know, no ranked teams are playing each other. Do you have any upset predictions? And he did mention Indiana OSU. That was the first one that he mentioned as a potential upset. So, And he also had this amazing statistic of bowl chances, right? How likely Indiana is going to win six wins. Obviously, this was before the Ohio State result. But what was the number? We You said we're now big Bill Connolly fans again because he reversed the bad news that we received the week before. We are. He said that our bowl chances for Indiana are 89%. That's a solid B+. That's pretty good. I'll take those odds. 89% for hashtag 6windiana? Yes, for hashtag 6windiana. And so Penix is out and we like Ramsey. We'll talk more about this in the second half of the segment. But one thing that you noticed with Ramsey mm-hmm. was I think the two big criticisms that we had was one, arm strength. Yes. Because he started floating the passes. So he wasn't throwing bullets. Mm-hmm. And so his receivers and the corners covering the receivers had more time to cover them. Right. And then the other problem that he had, I guess, three problems. So one, floating passes with low arm strength. Two, he telegraphed his passes. So the defense was able to lock in mm-hmm. to where where he was going to pass the ball. And then three on checkdowns, he would look at one side of the field, lock on to, which is sort of a, an extension of the telegraphing problem. He would lock on to the option that he wanted. And your amazing wide receiver, number one, found himself open a lot. Yeah. And Peyton would just, these passes that we could see, Peyton would just lock into his option and miss him. Yeah. And it's funny how much more you see it in person. We would look up Peyton's head would literally be pointing in a certain direction. And everyone in that stadium knew kind of who he was looking for and who he wanted to throw to. And you're right. There were, you know, one, two, three open guys on the other side that he just wasn't going to throw to because we knew where his head was turned. So there's two problems, right? One is the defense knows. 
And two is if you lock your head that way, the other options, the slow, more slow developing routes for number one, your great wide receiver, just he was one play we saw, he was literally doing jumping jacks, trying to yell to pan yep, over the noise was. to get him to pass the ball. And he was wide open in the middle. It would have been a 30 yard pass and Peyton just locked into receiver that was in double coverage. We've been talking a little bit with Peyton, but will you talk about the war in the trenches? Things that weren't necessarily problems with Peyton Ramsey relating to the lines and how they affected the game. The lines offensively and defensively did affect the game, and it was hard to see. So on the offensive line for OSU, their offensive line bought field so much time. I mean, he had, I would say, eight seconds on a lot of plays, just so much time. He could, like, roll out. He could look at his options, wait for his receivers to run down, scramble. He just had all this time in the pocket. As I was pointing that out and as we were discussing that, I told you one of the saddest things about the 62-39 game between Michigan and Ohio State last year was that Dwayne Haskins' white Buckeye shirt was absolutely clean. Mm -hmm. Our defensive line wasn't able to throw him to the ground and he had all the time in the world. And that sort of happened. He, Justin Fields, had all the time in the world. What about your offensive line? Yeah, in terms of our offensive line, IU, it wasn't the same thing for for Peyton as it was for Fields. I mean, you saw Peyton hit the turf so many times. I mean, he just didn't have a lot of time. He wasn't very well protected, and so he did get sacked a lot. And kind of going back to your point, while Fields' jersey was very clean, I'm thinking Peyton's jersey was pretty dirty by the end of the game. Yeah, it was just tough because some of those were kind of his fault. Like he logged onto some options and was waiting for it to be open. But some of those were just, you know, they just got to him and there's nothing. Whoever that was back there would have gotten sacked. I think the lines, just three-star players versus five-star players. Ohio State, it was a total domination in the war in the trenches. And they were just so much bigger. Will you tell us a little bit about some notable plays from the first half? I will. So the coolest thing that we saw that gave IU fans some sense of optimism before the end of the first half, we got our lone touchdown. And this was actually done via trick play. On the final possession of the first half, Payne Ramsey, he threw a lateral to Hale and then Hale threw it to a wide open Peyton Hendershot. Our tight end, he completed a 49-yard scoring play. And that was really cool to see in person. I think it took everyone a second to realize what was happening. And then before you knew it, we had scored a touchdown. Peyton Hendershot, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about him. You guys are really excited about that player, right? We are. Seems like he's going to make a difference as he matures in your in Tom Allen's system. Other than the trenches, one thing that was really tough was the special teams, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, these things that happened. And one of the accounts on Twitter that we follow, Crimson Quarry, was just so upset about what was happening on these special teams. Yeah, you could tell that the person behind Crimson Quarry was not having a good time at the game. One of his tweets mentioned that the stadium was 110 degrees, which honestly, it felt like it was surrounded by OSU fans and then just watching the special teams and all their blocked punts that were maybe going 12 yards when they should have gotten a lot further, giving Ohio State a lot of yards back and a big advantage. That was really hard to see. There was the block punt that led to safety and there's another 12 yard punt that just really killed some of the field advantage. It was cool though. We saw number one, your receiver, mm-hmm. Watt, have a great catch. And it was funny, too, because at the end of the game, we saw people wearing custom mm-hmm. nice jerseys, and they had the same body type, right? They were tall and rangy. Yep. 
built like a wide receiver. And so we were guessing those might be Wop's family, definitely blood relation, because neither half of Hu Hill is shaped <laughs> that way. They were 6'4", thin, rangy. Looked athletic. And then the the customized sweatshirts that they were wearing that said WAP on them just looked way too nice for just an average fan. The final thing we'll say about the first half was while people left and we were thinking that sometimes is a debate that I have with myself, but a lot of the scores, Ohio State was up by 13, mm-hmm. up by 20, up by 27. And each time I was thinking about the book, right? When, when do you go for two and I think 538 actually has an updated version of the antiquated book where they do it by time elapsed in the game in addition to just scoring margin. So all these really cool pictures where if you're up by six points, but it's the first quarter versus if you're up by six points and it's the end of the game, whether or not you go for two. And I don't know, Ohio State was up by just under two scores, just under three mm-hmm. scores, just under four scores, and they never went for two. And so I was thinking, maybe they were thinking that they're just up by so much, it won't matter, we're going to save our two-point plays in the playbook for when it's a tighter game and we need to pull it out. But that kind of drove me a little crazy because I knew in the back of my head, Jim Harbaugh would go for two and people would yell at him. Sometimes I think I think they're wrong. They'll yell at him saying he's chasing points or it's too early. But the analytics just... In general, then, analytics say you should go for two. There's this crazy high school team that goes for two every time. And Army, to my chagrin, of course, they always go because they're running anyway. Yeah, you mentioned that several times. I remember you sitting there saying, well, Jim would have gone for two. So I guess you're right. I do think Ryan Day is probably trying to save some of his two-point conversion plays for later in the season when, I hate saying this, but I guess when it matters. One thing that was hard to see for me, and I will give IU fans credit. I mean, a lot of people went to the game. When we arrived, the stands were full. But really shortly after the first half, when the optimism kind of faded, the reason for that was because, as I mentioned, we had that really cool trick play at the end of the first half. But then the last play of the third quarter, there was a third and goal at the Ohio State seven-yard line. So IU had the ball. But the OSU senior cornerback, number three, Damon Arnett, who, Jeff, you kept mentioning, looked so great. He took this moment to pick off a Ramsey pass and that made a 96 yard touchdown and I think after that moment IU fans just knew like you know what obviously we're gonna lose but this isn't even gonna be a close one he looked so good he just read Peyton Ramsey's eyes the first few times he broke up passes it was like he's just totally has Peyton Ramsey figured out on all your receiver plays and of course there's commenting on that he took one all the way back to the house yeah so after that play was made I mean number three did look so good After the first half, we saw some people lining up to leave. But then after that play at the end of the third quarter, people just went out in teams. And it was hard to see because at the fourth quarter, I like to take a lot of pictures during games just to capture memories. But I saw really the stands were full of Buckeye fans and I didn't see any IU fans left. I couldn't hear IU cheers. I was mostly hearing Ohio State cheers. And I saw that the stands for the IU section were pretty much close to empty. And that was something that I couldn't take a picture yeah, of. Yeah, I told you, only take a photo of something happy that you want to remember. So we didn't take a photo of that. So for the second half of this podcast, to dovetail with the thoughts that I lovingly recorded on a notepad contemporaneously during the second half, Kathy, I'm going to ask you in a quick hits type of format, the 27 things that we noticed at the game. Are you ready? 
Yes, that sounds good, Jeff. We had such good banter and conversation and just funny things that came up while we were sitting in the hot sun in Indiana Memorial Stadium. So I'm ready to go with the quick hits. In the midst of a glorious defeat, glorious victory? glorious slash traumatizing defeat. It was a hot day and I would say brutally hot day, sad day. And so you asked me, this is quick hit number one, am I more sad now? Or were you more sad against Army? That's what you asked me, right? I did. Just seeing how sad you were after the Army game, you put your phone away, you couldn't look at Twitter. You were kind of hard to talk to, to be honest, because you were just so sad. I caught a glimpse of what that felt like. And what was your response to that? Just for the record, you asked me this. I didn't ask you this. I did ask right? you this. You but, were the one that asked But what me was this. your response? My response was, well, Army was a W. It looks like you guys are going to pull out a W. This is in the beginning Ouch. of the third quarter. Bam. And then I hit you next. I hit you the question. <laughs> what's your favorite bookstore in the city of Bloomington? I thought about that for a second. And I embarrassingly answered, I didn't go to any bookstores. I did go to the TIS bookstore, but that was to buy textbooks. I don't think I hung out at any normal bookstore just to go read or pick up literature to read, but I do love to do that now. So I think I've come a long way. And as you can see, we ended up just point three. We're just telling unrelated jokes now contemporaneously on my notepad because that's how the game was going. That's how bad it was surrounded by Ohio State fans. That's point number three. Yep, that's true. We were paying attention to the game and don't get us wrong, we we still were, but things were so traumatizing. We thought the quick hits would be good just to lighten the mood a little bit. And we said as good fans, we wouldn't leave early. We'd stay till the bitter end. Yep. The bitter very end, which we did stay until point four. And this one you don't have to respond to because we're gonna address later. Mm-hmm. Where's Tuttle? <laughs> it just says where's Tuttle? Tuttle, who are you all on the podcast, is the backup quarterback. And funnily enough, during the beginning of the game, in the parking lot, I said, I think the over-under that Jack Tuttle sees the field, it was 100% he was going to see the field. And you said, no, I don't want him to see a field. Yes, Jeff, you did say that. And I said, well, the only chance of that happening is if it's a blowout with either OSU winning or Indiana winning. And of course, in my mind, I was like, well, actually, you know, if Indiana's winning with a blowout, that would be awesome. But yes, for the most part, I did not want to see Tuttle. Point five and six were sad points. Point five is the announcer and the whole stadium cheered so hard whenever Indiana got a first down. It was mm-hmm. like, first down, Hoosiers! And it was, everyone's <laughs> cheering. And that was just the kind of day it was. Point number six, you guys ran some trick motion plays. But sounds like Coach Allen and Kalen DeBoer have to work on it a bit more on offense because yeah. they ran into each other. Point seven is what you asked during the last podcast, which is, why is Indiana 12th in the Big Ten? Yes. And I'll let you take it away. The latest update on that. Oh my gosh. The latest update is terrible. So we looked on Crimson Quarry because we were just checking out the Big Ten power rankings. And I wanted to see if we were still number 12 because it was a hard loss to OSU, but they're like one of the top teams in the country. Number one on that ranking. Yeah, exactly. I think even though it was a tough loss, we don't deserve to be 12. We deserve to be better. So we scroll through the article and- You are, funnily enough, you are both 13th and 14th. Yes. Yes. And, and how many how many teams are there in the Big Ten? There are four teams. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and how is that even possible? Well, according to the Crimson Quarry, we are number 13 when Donovan Hale is playing QB. And the reason for that is the trick play that we mentioned earlier. 49-yard touchdown. Exactly. But it's also said that we are 14 when Peyton Ramsey is the QB. Above number 15, Port Illinois, Brandon Peters taking them all the way back. With a 95-yard drive 
and then Eastern Michigan just the emus, the fighting emus, take it the other way for a touchdown. And we're saying we were saying the car. Brandon Peters doesn't play defense, right? Right. But they're the only team. Poor coach Lovey Smith ranked below Indiana when a wide receiver is playing quarterback, and I think high school quarterback, dual threat player, right? Wide receivers have good hands, so he's playing quarterback. And poor Peyton Ramsey being hated on like that. But I think the same thing happens with Peyton because we talked about Brandon Peters, who I like a lot and respected a lot when he was with Michigan. But for Peyton, like Peyton doesn't play on special teams. Peyton doesn't play defense. Peyton doesn't play offensive line, right? Right. He got sacked a couple times. A couple other points to speed this up. There's a great TV time o'clock that is really clear in Indiana Memorial Stadium. TV timeouts are the worst but it was easy to tell when to pay attention to the game again. There's this kid who absolutely flubbed the kicks for $10,000. Yeah, I think I could have maybe kicked that ball better than he did. The referee was in the way of a play and got knocked over by an OSU running back who ran straight into him. J.K. Dobbins looked great, the OSU running back. The backup running back looked great too. His name is Master Teague. Right? Yes, Master yes. Teague had a long touchdown. And how touchdown. do you think J.K. Dobbins looks versus Charbonnet? J.K. Dobbins is more established, but I think... Charbonnet freshman, definitely better than J.K. Dobbins freshman. We'll see whether Charbonnet grows. We need him this year. Starting running back, we need him. Brutus looked dumb as always. I will agree with you. I know you're a little bit biased towards Brutus looking dumb. I know when we run the Big Ten 10K, every year you just tell me you want to punch him in the face. But I will say during this game, I kind of wanted to punch him in the face. He was right in front of us, right? Cheering for all the wrong things and trying to yam up the crowd. And it's like he, he was awful. You guys held pretty much on a lot of the plays. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a sign of the line of scrimmage being just lopsided. So you have to hold because you're slower. Yes. Just hold the players. We talked about this last time. All the times Ohio State scored a touchdown, they are up not by seven, not multiples of seven, and they didn't go for two. I think they just didn't want to show the plays on tape, but drives me crazy when I think about the metrics and what the book says to do. Lines shifting. So you mentioned this really interesting point for the bye week and whether or not just looking at all the different teams performing, especially Mm -hmm. since you were so confused about how Michigan was still up in all its games. I was. Yeah. Michigan was up against OSU. They were up against Wisconsin. And this is in the Vegas lines picking Michigan to win in those games. As you asked me after the Army game and after watching Ohio State, after watching Notre Dame have a really great game, whether or not the lines would shift. And it looked like they did once we checked back. Wisconsin is up by three, which Mm -hmm. is... Three-point advantage, home court, three-point. So really Vegas Vegas thinks it's a toss-up. So the most amusing earrings that we saw, this lady in front of us wear these Urban Meyer earrings. Will you describe the lady in the earrings? I will. So I was just looking right in front of me, and I did a double take because I saw this funny man's face on a girl's ears. And I looked closer, and I noticed that it was a picture of Urban Meyer that were on her ears. It was just so extravagant. And quickly, I pointed it out to Jeff, and he quickly had to tap her and say, oh my God, like, I am not rooting for this guy. I'm not rooting for your team, but I have to say your earrings are amazing. She, I don't know what was up with her. I think maybe Buckeye fans aren't that bright, like the O-I-H-O type fans. <laughs> but so I, I told her, this is literally what I said to her. I said, hey, even though he beats us all the time, and I don't love the man, although he's a great color commentator, yes, it's a commentator. Yeah. And we can talk more about that. But that's literally what I said to her when I tapped her. I was like, bear in mind, I was wearing full highlighter <laughs> maze. He stuck and out. He a stuck Michigan out. hat. And I got the chant, the whole stands yelled at, at me. So people noticed me, right? And this girl was just really friendly and really nice. And I was really surprised how this Buckeye fan was so nice, no hostility. And an hour later, literally an hour later, she turns to me and she's like, 
wait, you're wearing a Michigan hat. What's up with that? Like, why were you nice? Why are you commenting on my earrings? And I'm just like, are you slow on the uptake? Like, I'm literally wearing, I'm like, I look like a physical highlighter right now. Like, what's going on? I think it's a combination of just being a Buckeye fan and, and probably sitting in the hot sun. Yeah. So a couple other things. Oh, yeah, we were talking about how good Urban Meyer is as a color commentator. Mm -hmm. So we watched him, just the kind of way, I don't know, just the way that he described what happened at the end of the Michigan State game. And how, I think for me, three things really struck out. So one is, he didn't gloat, he didn't smirk, he wasn't biased. Two is, he portrayed what it was like to go against Coach D'Antonio in all those battles that they had. And third is just the degree of genuine how he felt bad for Michigan State. And to be able to convey all of that, literally, we were saying, and and you'll have to tell me what you thought about that clip too, but every single other person, Dean Blandino, Matt Leinart, Matt Leinart, your favorite, and Mm -hmm. the guy on the left, they all, their heads were on a swivel. They all were in rapt silence watching this legendary coach talk about that. And I thought, you know, as much as I hate Urban Meyer and what he did with the program in Florida and Ohio State, just as a commentator, he had my rapt attention, just the way that he combined all of those things. He was like suffering. He was talking about Coach D and the former battles and just, it was amazing TV. It was. Usually when you have four guys sitting around the table like that, they're all cutting each other off, trying to get their word in. But as Jeff said, everyone's heads were turned looking at Urban. And even last week, when he talked during the halftime show, during the Michigan Army game for Fox, everyone was tweeting like, oh, Urban Meyer's laughing his ass off, like he's having so much fun with this. But when he gave his commentary, you couldn't tell. He was so professional, so unbiased. Yeah, he didn't smirk. He didn't take advantage. Mm -hmm. I think what I was telling you is I have a buddy who does CNN politics commentary. What they do is they give you a shot, right? So you try and you Mm -hmm. go up and you're under makeup and under the lights. And this is what you want to do eventually, right, Cabby? It is. And what this podcast is about. But so they give you a shot. People, it's just so different in front of TV and cameras, other commentators and things like that. And some people come off as wooden and some people come off as lively. And I think it's actually funny that it doesn't, it sort of correlates with your presence in real life, Mm -hmm. but it also doesn't. So one key example is Mitt Romney, where Mitt in a room is amazing. Like you want to give him your money, you want to invest in his campaign, you want to campaign for him. And then you put him in front of a TV camera and it's like a totally different guy. Mm-hmm. But I think, or Meyer, they gave him a couple spots. A couple shots, yep. And he's just amazing. So now they just yeah. have him on all day. We'll, because he's we'll just, hand it to him. Yeah, he's really good at that. And and I mean, you know my view. My view is, good that you're so great at this. Keep doing it. Never coach you. Yes, yeah, we'd rather like, have you doing this than yeah. coach OSU. A couple other things. There was a, a fake punt in Indiana. Didn't go for the James Franklin sad field goal yep. where they he were sort of it, close or down. or down. So kudos to Coach Allen and Coach DeBoer for, for really going for it. One sad thing about the plays is the fans and Kathy, we were talking about, should we, and, and let's spend some time talking about this, whether or not you cheer a defensive penalty on offense you know, when, when it's the only way for the Indiana offense to gain yards, do we cheer that or not? So we were talking, we spent some time talking about we the ethics did. of whether yeah, or not Yeah, because when this. we were in the stands and OSU had a defensive penalty, you would hear, you know, some cheering for all the IU fans that were left in the stadium. And I was cheering as well. And Jeff's like, you don't cheer for the other team to do badly. You cheer for your team to do good. And I was like, I know, but I'm like, at this point, I will take any yard I can Yeah, get. so then I was like, okay, I was cheering too. I was like, let's, let's cheer, let's cheer. It's time to cheer. <laughs> let's cheer for every yard. Yeah. Two points on number three, Damon Arnett, who is phenomenal. He looked so good all game. Number three, he knew before the wide receivers where the passes were going to go. And part of that is because Peyton Ramsey was telegraphing his passes. Yes. You want to describe that a little bit? 
Yeah. Um, we mentioned this a little bit before in the first segment, but when you're in this, and I think it's more obvious when you're actually in the stands than it might be on TV, but when Peyton Ramsey, you know, kind of lifted his arm to throw the ball, you would see where his head was churned and he was looking directly at the person that he wanted to throw to. So a couple bad things of that. One, everyone knows where you're throwing to. And two, because you're only looking in one direction, you're missing potentially. Yeah. The, I mean, number one guys. was like all open. He, there was yeah. a play where we talked about this already, but he was just literally doing jumping jacks, mm-hmm. trying to signal pain. And of course he was like 30 yards down. So pain can't hear him but he was signaling. And I think, you know, we'll have to, if Penix comes back, we'll have to see sort of whether his head is on a swivel. Yeah. Cause like that's, that's something the, I'll be looking at the best. Cause I think sometimes quarterbacks get rattled too, cause you're looking downfield, but you're also, if your line can't protect you and you're going to get sacked, you're also, your eyes are also focused on the defensive linesman who might come in and hit you really mm-hmm. hard. And so Shea got a little rattled in the army game too. Like you got hit and then he got a little bit rattled because Peyton had such a rough day, he saw the turf more than downfield, which you were like, oh, that's really sad. Yeah. Um, his, as we mentioned before, his shirt probably got really dirty, whereas Field's, Field's shirt probably didn't get that dirty. Yeah, because Field's offensive line had so much protection. And so just everyone's talking about this after the game. The OSU line's offense and defense just looks so good. And we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, you have five-star recruits against three-star four-star recruits. They were bigger. On average, they just looked 50 pounds heavier. They did. They In person, they just looked like much bigger guys. And I will hand it to Indiana. I mean, I think I read somewhere that this actually on record has been one of our best recruiting years to date. So that's really good for us and we're building. But compared to the OSU guys, I mean, we just, we just didn't look the same. Yeah. So Damon Arnett, I guess, also is a... I was asking the Ohio State fans because I didn't really... I try not to pay attention to them so much what year he was, and they don't really know. But it turns out that he's a fifth-year senior, and he decided to stay for this fifth year, right? And apparently, Ohio State fans have like mixed results about him and mixed commentary from the limited Ohio State blogs that I've read. But he looked great. Like I was commenting, like I was telling you, oh man, he's telegraph. He's seeing all the passes being telegraphed. The other issue is that Peyton was floating them, mm-hmm. right? So it gave him a lot of time. And so those pass breakups were so beautiful. And I was telling you, Man, he's going to take one back. He's going to take one back. And was, he just looks so good. And of course, he takes that 96-yard interception return all the way back. And and it's just that's just what we were saying was going to happen. You mm-hmm. keep telegraphing your passes. That's going to happen. Yeah. And he made it happen. So that's most of our points. We have a couple more yep. to end. So my first I don't, qu- I don't want to talk about this next one. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is, how's that asterisk looking now? And I think less of it is making fun of Indiana because, you know, a sad game. But more of it is there's a lot of questions, for instance, about Wisconsin winning by 110 points mm-hmm. undefeated. How much you can draw from just a weak opponent, right? And so you have Michigan State playing this weak opponent and everyone thinks their offense, their miracles are happening and they're fixed. And then they come out and lay an egg against Arizona State, the Sun Devils, which we're definitely a Sun Devil podcast here because Rod Tidwell. We love Rod Tidwell. Rod Cuba Gooding Jr. in his Oscar winning role in Jerry Maguire, he says famously, Jerry... I'm a Sun Devil, baby. I want that Sun Devil money. So the Sun Devils look great. Forks up because their their symbol is a fork. And so they stuck a giant fork in MSU's field, which Devin Bush did that too in the middle. And so big Sun Devil fan. Herm Edwards, two straight victories against Michigan State. The line was 14 and a half and they won. So really the question is how that asterisk looks now because it's so easy 
I guess the question is, as a fan, your hopes get so up after you play. And I was telling you, hey, as an FCS team, mm -hmm. hold your horses. Mm -hmm. You know, you're saying we're not 12th. And you're also playing the number one team in, in the Big Ten, Ten. Yep. perhaps in the country. Yeah. We don't know yet. Yeah. They have to be more tested. But so, so I think just that asterisk, managing your ups and downs and trying to find that middle, it's hard, right? Like as a fan, when you talk about sort of just getting so up. Yeah, I mean, when we shut out Eastern Illinois 52 to 0, I was so happy, so enthusiastic. And I think this OSU game did bring us back to reality. And Jeff gave that big caveat, well, it's an FCS team that makes a big difference. And I think, granted, we did play one of the top teams in the country and the top Big Ten team. So that's something that gives me hope. And I think this UConn game coming up will be very telling. But one thing that makes me a little bit sad is that OSU probably looked at Indiana like we're an FCS team, right? Like, like we're a team to be, it should be a blowout game. And unfortunately, that's what happened. And one of the points that I also want to talk about on this asterisk, which really feeds into this point, is in the morning before the game, the night before, everyone had Ohio State on upset watch. We did. Yep. Even Bill Connolly. And so I think it's not just you, right? right. Being so up on the team. Yes. And I think Crimson Quarry had this great point where he got really frustrated on how Indiana's on national TV, like the struggling program that everyone makes fun of. You have podcasts on this team now, right? Mm -hmm. So you're part of the Crimson Quarry family. His point was, this is the perfect opportunity for us on national TV to get in front of new eyeballs, win new fans. Yep. And of course, IU lays an egg. Because even if, like, I don't know, we watched another game that was similar, right? Blowout, Coach Fitz in the Big Ten Championship game. And yeah, I mean, Northwestern looked really overmatched, right? None of their corners could keep up with those 4-4 wide receivers from Ohio State. Dwayne Haskins just floated a ball up there and those guys would just snag it, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, he'd throw it sort of way deep and they just run ahead and grab it and there's nothing that Northwestern could do. And even though Coach Fitz had a perfect game plan for the first half and we were watching this yes. game and, and the, that separation, like literal separation between the corners and the wide receivers and separation between the teams, I think Crimson Corey has a point, right? Like it's not that you guys lost and he was, you know, obviously tweeting and really upset during the game. It's not just you guys lost, but the fact that in front of a national TV audience, you got shown up in this way is a little unfortunate. It's hard. And I remember telling you, Jeff, because I think it was last week where the Big Ten, actually Indiana football had to tweet out the link to the alternate Big Ten network that was broadcasting the game against Eastern Illinois because a lot of people were tweeting at them and saying, hey, you said you're on the Big Ten network. I'm not finding your game. I've tried all three stations. And it took me a while to find the station as well. It was like to Big watch Ten, alternate, alternate, like double it alternate. Was. You, you really, yeah. they had to tweet out the link and you had to follow that. So the fact that I was telling you, Jeff, like I was so excited that we were on Fox. And I think this was our chance. We didn't necessarily have to have the W. That would have been nice. But I think to put up a good fight, to have some good numbers up there, that would have really been given our chance to give us some credibility, build our fandom. How's Coach Allen feeling, you think, after this game? It's hard. I, I respect and like Coach Allen a lot. So before the game, people were tweeting his rah-rah speech. He was really pumped up, fired up for this game. And he definitely led that on to his players. And we looked at that on Twitter. And it was interesting because, you know, you can see on Twitter how many people commented. And so I think when we checked, there were 45 comments. And I was about to read them. And you actually told me, don't do it. Don't said yeah. tunnel. Cause, yeah, because you, you know, were like, sad. Double said tunnel for me is one, when Michigan loses... I go into the sad tunnel on Michigan Twitter, this curated list of Michigan accounts that I follow. But on the other end of the sad tunnel, I when Michigan State loses, I go to RCMB, the Red Cedar message board. <laughs> and it's so funny. 
It's just so funny. And I started doing this because they took Paul Bunyan out, right? They took mm-hmm. Paul, turned him from a locker room trophy into this yapping. So let's see what they, how they yap after the game. And obviously I wasn't disappointed. But I think you tunneled and... I did. I ended up tunneling and opening And, and how, how was that feeling, right? Like mixed feelings, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where you're seeing something bad, but you can't look away. And that's exactly what it was. But it also solidifies your fandom. It does. It was what I predicted. I mean, people were kind of trashing our coach a bit, which made me really sad because I like that he's so rah-rah. I like that he had faith in his offensive and defensive coordinators to kind of hand over those roles and... I do respect him and I think he is still optimistic and positive and I'm sure he's given credit. He coached the entire game, even though we were losing so badly, but I don't know. You just want the guy to be happy. I want to see him as energetic as he was during halftime last year against Michigan. And on next week's major key segment, we're going to talk about punters, kickers, Mm -hmm. kickoff kicks, types of kicks this game and in the michigan state game you learned a new item of vocabulary right I did. shanking yeah and, and what does shanking mean Shank- just give it a shot shanking is when you kick the ball but instead of going high and long it kind of goes low and to the side and you just don't pick up as much yardage because it goes out where yeah. it should you know where you're trying to play for the wall that's exactly right and so we're gonna we're going to talk about the punting, kicking, special teams. That's what we're going to talk about on Major Keys next week. As we mentioned, we did see Jack Tuttle, which and I was right. And Ugh. quarterback of the future, <laughs> right? Quarterback of the future. He he did okay. Yeah, um, I get a little annoyed when Jeff is right about things like this. Your mom said they, they didn't score in the fourth quarter, which I think is true. I think that is right. To our last point, I have you been asked saying me, for the sadly. last couple weeks. Yes, I asked you. I'm like, I don't think 12 Indiana is is a thing. Like, is this the end? And Well, no, no. That's no. You were saying not only nine Indiana, we're going to go for 12 Indiana. Yes, I've been and saying that. And then you've been saying that, 12 Indiana. And then you turned to me while we were watching the grandeur of what was happening in front of us. And you said, oh, I don't know about my yes, 12. I don't know right? about 12 Indiana. But but, but <laughs> I then informed you that 12 Indiana is still in play. If you guys win out and get to a bowl game and you win the bowl game, you can still have 12 wins. Mm-hmm. Or if you win out and make it to the Big Ten, Ten championship yeah, game. Championship. Right? If you win out, make it to the playoffs, then you can play more than 12 games and win all of them. So 12 Indiana is still, still in play. play. And that's as good a place as any other. That's true. I'm still optimistic. We've got this. Hoo hoo. Hail.